Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, it's Combine Week. It is Combine Week. I'm pretty excited. I, I gotta say, for Steeler Nation Radio is sending me down. We're gonna be on Radio Row all week. I'm gonna do two shows a day, about six hours of coverage. And I'm driving down. It's like a six-hour ride from Pittsburgh. It's very easy. It's flat. It's it's a very easy ride. And three of us are going down about 10 a.m. on Tuesday, getting home around 8 p.m. Saturday and doing radio the whole time. There's a Steeler media dinner Tuesday night. And something you'd really get a kick out of, too, is what's really cool about the Combine is there's people that do what we do just roaming around. Like... Last year, I just grabbed Matthew Berry and said, hey, sit down with us for 15 minutes. Or, you know, the Pro Football Focus guys, Greg Cosell every year stops by. So there's there's fun guests to talk to all the time. It's a really good week. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a blast. I'll I'll mm-hmm. definitely have to get there at at some point. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and just, just to let everyone know, we are recording this before the Combine, as you can already tell. Uh, you're probably listening to this after the Combine has already kicked off. What? What are you most looking forward to, Matt? The problem, though, I just laid it all out, is before I used to go, I used to watch it. Now I'm on the air the whole time, and I don't have a DVR in my room or anything, so I'll DVR everything here so I can watch the drills when I get back, but that won't be till Sunday, Monday. Um, what I'm really looking forward to, just to be honest, is the bar life and all that stuff after, you know, that all those people I talked about are all rummaging around and I'll be looking actually for more work is to, you know, for writing work. And it's just good to see all those people too. Like, you know, Doug Farrar and those guys, you know, just a, a bunch of people that I know in this business and Sando from ESPN and those guys. I mean, to me, that's the most fun thing about it all. Yeah. They say of really of any event of the NFL season or the NFL year that this is the one where everybody is uh, as far as coaches uh, media general managers everybody's there uh, in Indy for this combine week so it it should be a blast yeah absolutely I mean it's like I I don't know what the baseball equivalent winter meetings or something like that (laughs) that type of deal where everybody's there and it's the one to be at well, Matt, today we are going to answer some listener questions. We've got some good ones. Our first one comes from uh, a buddy of ours, Bill Latin. Bill says, who are your favorite round two rookies, maybe to wait on, since this draft lacks consensus? It certainly does lack yeah. consensus. We we can't even agree on who the top pick should be. Uh, if, you, if you look at mock drafts or uh, dynasty rookie rankings, it... it you're not going to find two sets alike. Uh, I I pulled since Bo, since Bill mentioned the second round rookies. I pulled the round two rookies, thirteen through twenty four, from DLF rookie ADP, and I'll just run through these really quickly. Okay. And Matt, you tell me who you like from this group. I know you're you're still still kind of dipping your toe into the rookie pool. I am. You're ahead. The pullback curtain. You're a little more ahead of them than me for sure for these guys. But uh, I'm. I, I, I. We can. Do, let's do that. Let's just start with thirteen through twenty-four or whatever. So Noah Fant, Iowa tight end, is is thirteen overall right now. A little bit of a surprise for me. He's been a popular uh, mm-hmm. projection as a first rounder. I think he'll be an NFL first rounder. I'm very confident of that. I I don't remember, but whereabouts did. 
Engram, Najoku, Howard go when they came out? Where they were right around the turn, weren't they? Right. Those guys were going sometimes in the first round. Sometimes you'd mm-hmm. see them slip to the second. Uh, and this class is being compared to that. Of course, we had the the big three at that time that we continued to talk about uh, to this day. Ingram, Howard, and Joku. And right now it's looking like we could replicate that. There's three tight ends being talked about as potential NFL first-rounders. Uh, Fant is one of them. His teammate, TJ Hawkinson, is another. He's on this list uh, at, currently as a second-rounder. And then Alabama's Irv Smith Jr. is the third. All three of those guys could be first-rounders in the NFL draft. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that all go in the top 40. I think Hawkinson's guaranteed, basically, to be a first-round pick. I mean, I, I think he's the first one off the board. But all three have their strengths and weaknesses. Is Smith going in the second round of rookie drafts? He is. He's, he's towards I would the, think so. Yeah. Right, he's towards the bottom of that group. I think pretty clearly, if you look at consensus rankings or ADP, he's going to be the tight end three. He's actually my tight end two right now, but um, some some room for that to change. All three of those guys are very close, uh, and, and and I would be pretty happy to get any of them in the second round. Honestly, I think we see at least one sneak into the first round by the time we get into the spring. Uh, next guy, after- I bet you real quick. I bet you agree with me just from what you said, but. If I can get Smith at the end of the second round in a rookie draft, I'm very happy about that. Absolutely. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Debo Samuel is the next guy off the board. Of course, he really got a great head start on this this whole rookie season at the Senior Bowl. He, he was just the talk of the Senior Bowl, while most of these other guys that we're looking at as far as dynasty and fantasy purposes weren't at the Senior Bowl. Uh, they're, they're underclassmen, or a couple of them uh, set that out. And and Debo Samuel, South Carolina wide receiver, uh, was just dominant and and probably helped himself, if not in NFL draft, uh, you know, circles at least among fantasy players. Yeah, I think that's well said because more so than these other people we'll talk about in this neighborhood, everyone actually saw him recently doing an event, doing draft stuff, and if you're kind of like me and you're late to the party with rookie analysis, you know, he's fresh on your t- tip of your tongue, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, after that, we have a string of running backs, and, and that's really going to be, I think, one of the stories of the NFL draft, especially once we get into the second, third, fourth round. Where do these running backs go? They're so closely bunched together right now, and their landing spot, the draft capital that is used on them, will really uh, go a long way in separating them. The first one off the board is Devin Singletary. We've got Benny Snell after that, Elijah Holyfield, and Miles Sanders. So those, those four running backs all being bunched pretty closely together. We've got two more backs, Justice Hill, Travion Williams, at the end of the second round. If you're betting on one of those backs right now, Matt, who do you like the most? I actually wanted to ask you that question because I think you know them better than I do. But the one nugget I wanted to give you, and Penn State's obviously really huge around here, if people are expecting Miles Sanders to be a real riser at the Combine. You know, we've seen a lot of these Penn State guys really, really run well over the years. People don't, they're not comparing him to Saquon or anything like that, but I do know a lot of people have thought he's going to boost his stock a lot this week. I think he would be my pick uh, as far as a guy who we see rising. Actually, I, I... 
looked at some of these same players and shared this on Twitter the other day, asking people who they expected to crack the first round by the time we're actually doing real rookie drafts. And Sanders is my pick. So I, I do expect him to perform well at the combine. I do expect him uh, to maybe separate himself from some of these other backs just a little bit. Uh, You think he could be a tear jumper? I think, I think possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, right now that the top tier is, uh, is basically David Montgomery, Joshua Jacobs, and then you've got um, got a couple other guys kind of in between. Damian Harris is one of those who uh, are currently first-rounders. But then all of these others, Singletary, Snell, Holyfield, Sanders, it, one of those guys, maybe more, is going to break away from the pack. Now that we're talking about it, I just have a side question for you. How high are you on Daryl Henderson? I mean, he's a Memphis guy. I'm sure you've seen a ton of them. Yeah, he's he's actually my running back three. I, I mentioned Jacobs. Yeah, I mentioned Jacobs and Montgomery. And right now, Henderson's the third guy for me. But I still think he's he's close, right? These these guys are so bunched together, and mm-hmm. more than more than any year in recent past, like I just said, landing spot draft capital is going to really help us create these rankings in this ADP. Yeah, especially, I mean, the running backs in particular, because there's not enough jobs to go around in the league. You know, the Tevin Coleman's and the JHIs, and, you know, there's five borderline starters to go along with Le'Veon Bell that are going to find homes before these guys are even picked. There, there's not a lot of open jobs in the league. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, and, and even when you look deeper in the in the backfield, even when you look, you know, at the pass-catching type backs, the the committee backs, those jobs are not really available either. No, they're not rare anymore. Right. So with six, seven, eight running backs coming into the league, you've got at least three uh, free agents who are expecting to be starters. Obviously, Bell will be, and we'll talk about a couple of others later today. We're going to be disappointed by some of these backs as far as their Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they'll look bad originally in a year from now. We'll go, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Next question comes from Hunter. He says, in a dynasty startup, you're dead set on taking a running back. You can't trade down. Who are you taking? And he's looking at some second-year running backs, Darius Geis, Sony Michelle, Carrion Johnson. Who are you taking out of that group, Matt? I think Sony's last for me, which surprises me. I would say that from a year ago. I just don't trust his long-term durability. And watching him play football at the NFL level... I wasn't real impressed. I mean, I know the numbers were there. The situation's awesome. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns, and that's all we care about for fantasy. But I thought Johnson looked like the much better player. I don't trust his situation as well, but I do trust his long-term durability, although that's a hard thing to count on at this position anyway. I guess I'd go Geis, Johnson, Sony, but I hate Geis' situation too. (laughs) I mean, I think you make an argument for all three. Yeah, I think you can make an argument against all three. That's uh, yeah. that's kind of my concern. I think they, they all have warts as all running backs in that tier do. I agree with you on Michelle. He's he's the third guy for me. But coming into the league, my concern with Carrion Johnson was his injury history. And then we see him get injured again as a rookie and, and miss a handful of games. So that certainly didn't make me feel better. Obviously, guys had the injury and and missed the entire year. 
interestingly enough, his his value based on ADP is essentially right back to where it was before the injury. I guess that doesn't surprise me. And of the three, if we start watching the preseason, week one, week two, even if his situation isn't great, he's the one that I would bet passes the eyeball test the best, and we would say, boy, he's a really good player. He just doesn't have a lot of running room type of deal. Yeah, that that Washington offense could be really ugly uh, this coming season. Mm-hmm. Next question from Chris. I can sense the frustration in his question. What the heck are we doing with Corey Davis? What's his value at this point? <laughs> that does sound like a frustrating question. So, no, no, even if you're still confident in Corey Davis, and I, I can't say that I am, you can't be confident in Marcus Mariota. And and there's obviously some questions about that coaching staff. They've, they've had a change at their offensive coordinator. What are your thoughts about the Titans' offense as a whole? I don't know. I mean, Davis, I, I, mean, I understand the frustration. And I thought he was the top rookie that year. But meanwhile, if you took that advice and you took him at 1-1, you didn't end up with McCaffrey, Mixon, you know, all these other great backs that are foundational players for – dynasty teams right now and I still think he's really good and I think it's very noteworthy that he according to pro football focus he faced the toughest slate of corners in the league this year not to mention there was no other threats so if they can put more people around him Delaney Walker comes back maybe they add a free agent receiver that can run a Deshaun Jackson or something I think we and he had some good games last year I think the talent's there I think he's a good player but it's a frustrating offense because I've been a big Mariota and Davis believer and they're just not producing and now there's yet another coordinator and the years keep ticking by. Right, yeah. I, I've been frustrated, as I said, by Davis as well. And I, I'm just, I just don't see it turning around. At least I don't in 2019. You mentioned that, that 2017 class. I mean, think about that. If we did a a dynasty rookie, a rookie draft do-over, right? We, we've done those mm-hmm. in the past. Davis might not even be a first-rounder. I'd have to think about the class, but I mean, all those running backs are all way ahead of him. Well, you talked about those running backs. Uh, Juju is obviously ahead of him. Mm-hmm. You know, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Might be ahead of him. Maybe that's a conversation for some people. And then you've got those those tight ends that we like, George Kittle, in there as well. So I hope he's not Bishop Sankey. Remember, like the some people took Bishop Sankey ahead of like Evans and Odell. It was the the yin and the yang of the running back wide receiver situation from that year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, same he, team. He yeah, exactly. He may be the the Titans fans have have been cursed <laughs> right. on that one a little bit. I've got a couple of recent Corey Davis trades. Mm, okay. uh, these these are the two latest trades, two most recent trades that showed up on the DLF Trade Finder. And in both of them, he's being used basically as a package up type piece. Uh, see what you think about these. One is Davis along with Anthony Miller in exchange for Keenan Allen. I, I think that's Allen by a landslide. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It'd be different if it was... Three years from now, Keenan Allen. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not thinking of a receiver that's a little more up in age. Allen's young. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, and proven and every start. No. The the second deal is actually similar, also receiving Keenan Allen. It's Davis, Will Fuller, and Christian Kirk for Allen and David Njoku. 
And again, I, still, I think still want Allen. Yeah. I, I want the Allen side there. So uh, it, I'd rather it, have Njoku than Fuller, and then the deal's kind of the same as the one we talked about to begin with. Right, right. So in, in those two deals, at least, he is still certainly carrying some value, and you package him with another piece and get yourself an upgrade. I, I'd probably be doing that. I might actually be buying him now. You know, like, I would rather have him than a Kirk or a Fuller or guys like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I'd still prefer him to those guys. Uh, I, I think as far as a pick, though, he's going to cost you maybe the 1-3 or 1-4. Are you paying that? No, I was going to say I'll give you one seven, one eight. Yeah, I don't think that buys him. I don't think there's that much frustration yet. What about, you know... If I'm a contender and you're not, then we swap Doug Baldwin for him. I don't think that's going to get it done. You'd rather have Davis. Oh yeah, yeah. I think everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody. Yeah. Would. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think you'd have to add. Right. Have to add to Baldwin. Uh, I mean, if you're thinking that veteran receiver, he's Davis is still more in the uh, Hilton AJ Green range. TJ Hilton was the next guy I was going to ask yep. about. I think I'd rather have Hilton. Yeah, yeah, I would as well. Next question comes from Alan. We couldn't go much longer without talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Alan says, with all the craziness in Pittsburgh, have dynasty owners been overlooking the loss of offensive line coach Mike Munchak? Should we be selling James Conner in the anticipation of the Steelers' offensive line declining? So not only did they lose Munchak, they also fired their running back coach. They hired Eddie Faulkner to be their new running back coach. And we talked about that a little bit a few weeks ago. Actually, I think the day that move was announced, uh, if, if you missed that or haven't heard this news, Eddie Faulkner is, the, uh, is a former coach on the NC State staff, and that is significant because that's where Jalen Samuels played. So that, that led to at least some speculation among uh, some folks on Twitter that maybe this would be a boost to Samuels, a hit to James Conner. We're still a long time from training camp, Matt, but how are you seeing this backfield play out? And is this still a backfield you, you want pieces of? It's a good question because they ran the ball a very small percentage of the time last year. And I think that will change with Brown presumably gone, as well as Bell, I think you have to be a little more balanced, take a little off of Ben, like we've seen in New England and New Orleans with these advanced-age quarterbacks. I think the O-line should remain very, very good. But the beauty of Munchak, who I really think is, it's him and Skarnacki are, I think, way above every other O-line coach in the league, is a massive loss for the Steelers. But I don't know that it has immediate effects. The beauty of Munchak, though, is he took five or six Undrafted free agent linemen, Villanueva, Foster, Finney, Filer, Hubbard, and turned them into NFL starters. You know, like, that's the biggest gift from God ever in the world of of this offensive line-starved league. That if you can give me, if I can give you an undrafted free agent and you make him into a serviceable starter, wow. You know, like, coaching DeCastro and Pouncey isn't nearly as tough as turning Villanueva into a starting left tackle. I mean, people are overspending for these guys left and right. So maybe they shouldn't expect those type of things to happen. So the line may start to fall off in time, but I think it'll stay really good for now. I kind of been saying Connor's a sell all along, though. I mean, I just don't think he's a great player. I mean, I think his situation was great at times. 
And I do very much believe maybe Samuels gets a bump, but I think they're going to add somebody, not Tevin Coleman in that neighborhood, but maybe Spencer Ware or a fourth-round pick in a really deep running back draft like those guys we mentioned. I think somebody's going to add to the Steeler backfield and cut into Connor a little bit. Yeah, I've got that fear as well. I, I consider Connor a sell this offseason, but I, you know, I, I think most people do. I think that's the popular opinion. So when that happens, those players become become tough to sell. Sony Michelle is another one of those that people I know have been having trouble getting getting good value for. So at, at some point, you just have to keep those guys, or maybe, as you mentioned with Corey Davis earlier, maybe even go buy them if the price is if the price is right. Yeah, agreed. Next question from David. Who has a higher ceiling, Kenny Galladay or Chris Godwin? So I think I don't this, think it's close. Uh, not close? Not close. You think it's Galladay? Yeah, I think Galladay could be one of the best receivers in the league, where I think Godwin's a really good... I think he's Robert Woods on a good day. Nice, nice. I, yeah. I, I think it's really interesting, based on their dynasty value... These guys have, have been almost a mirror image of each other. I, I looked at their ADP dating back to early in the 2017 year, and these two guys have had almost the exact same ADP month to month uh, until, hmm. of course, Kenny Galladay had this uh, 2018 breakout. So in the beginning of the 2018 season, September, October, we see we see his value start to climb and Godwin's kind of maintains as he had, you know, probably a disappointing year, according to some. He, uh, Deshaun Jackson was still there and, and making big plays early in the season especially. But now that the offseason's here, we're expecting D-Jax to be gone. We've got a, a new coaching staff in, in Tampa Bay that everyone's excited about, and Godwin is suddenly one of the biggest risers of this offseason. We, we've seen that plenty of times with young players, especially young receivers. Uh, so again, the way Galladay finished the season, which was a, a little bit, you know, a little, he slowed down, certainly, the back half of the season. The whole, that whole offense got yucky yeah. after the Golden Tate trade. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really did. But uh, we saw Galladay slow down at the end of the season, and, and we've, as I already said, Godwin has been a riser. So their ADPs are getting closer together again, which is a little bit surprising, probably. I, I prefer Galladay as well. I'm actually kind of thinking Godwin might be a, a, another disappoint. Uh, you know, that might be in for another disappointing season. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I think Godwin's a really solid number two when it's all said and done. I think Galladay's a really solid number one with better traits and maybe a better situation when it's all said and done for the Lions. So I don't think they're close. I mean, if I could turn... Godwin into Galladay and all it cost me is a second or something. I, I'm all over that if they're yeah. close. You could probably do that if yeah, if you had if you had Godwin. Have you sold him already? I forget the deal I'd made. I, I, I did sell him. I sold Godwin and Callaway, I think, for Alshon and a future second on a team okay. I was trying to, you know. I need That was starter. during the season or? That was a month ago. It was after the season oh, okay. on a contender. Yeah. So that was okay. something I did recently. Yeah. Next question comes from Matt. Matt says, out of the upcoming third-year receivers, who do you think jumps in value and production the most? 
So that that's back to that class of 2017. Uh, we already mentioned Davis Ju- Godwin Galladay, right? Right. We already mentioned uh, Juju and Cup. Those those two guys have already broken out, already uh, well established their value. Some players that we would like to see more of. There's a lot of them: Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross, Curtis Samuel, Zay Jones, D.D. Westbrook, Chris Godwin, Taewon Taylor. Which of those would you bet on breaking out and and really becoming a, a highly valued dynasty asset? Well, I think Mike Williams is the obvious one. I mean, Tyrell Williams won't be back. Hunter Henry will. I like I like the flashes I saw from Mike Williams. He's a touchdown producer. I think he'll be a dynasty wide receiver too as soon as this year. Um, D.D. Westbrook's a little bit more of the sleeper type, though. I mean, somebody's got to catch passes there. The quarterback play has to be better. I think he's their best wide out. We already talked about Galladay and Godwin and Davis, so I'll kind of skip them. Um, but those are the two that stand out to me to really take a leap forward. Out of those, that, and that's a, a pretty wide-ranging group when you're thinking about dynasty value, as, as Matt asked, of course, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, still carrying uh, quite a bit of value, and, and we mentioned Godwin as well. John Ross, Taewon Taylor, Zay Jones, uh, they're they're further down the board quite a bit. And in fact, in some shallow leagues, they might not even be on a roster. If you were to choose one of those uh, to to put your chip on. Mm-hmm. Who who were they again? Zay Jones, Ross, and who was the third? Taewon Taylor. I think Taewon Taylor, someone's going to, I think they're going to add somebody like we talked about before, yeah. and he's going to become a fall, fall further down the depth chart. Can I take Samuel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel's a good one. I think we saw some we saw, we saw some flashes from him. Yeah, yeah, he's and in fact he is a uh he's a top 100 dynasty player now. I think he's right at uh, 99 or 100 if you're looking at our ADP. Yeah, I mean I think I'd take him if, if those are the four I get to pick from. Again, Zay Jones is always going to be a volume guy and is he good enough to get volume? Yeah, probably not not when it's all said and done. Ross, even on his best day, is just so hard to predict that I don't like having those guys unless they're elite Tyreek Hill types. Yeah, I think it, it's a little, it's cheating a little bit, but I, I would choose Samuel as well. We've already seen uh, him rise in value, as I said, and I think that will continue. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and, and I think he's, I think he's cheaper in trades than maybe that top one hundred ADP might reflect. Are you with me on D.D. Westbrook, though? I think I'd rather have Westbrook than Samuel. No. <laughs> I'd rather have Samuel. Would you? Uh, yeah, I'm just... Just remember how good Westbrook was in college. Yeah. I mean, that's that's true, but the whole, to me, the whole somebody has to catch the ball, that usually doesn't work out. And, <laughs> no, it's not the best I theory. mean, right now, we don't, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I guess speculation is that it might be Nick Foles. Uh, that's not something that really excites me. I don't necessarily want Nick Foles pass catchers, it, assuming he's away from Doug Peterson. So I, I would actually be selling D.D. Westbrook if I could. Hmm. I'd pick him up off you. I mean, I'm going to put a statement out. Here's my bet that he leads the Jags in receiving this year. But that, hopefully that's not for 50 catches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that might be the case. Right. Next question from our buddy Tubaka. He says, does Kittle still produce if AB goes to San Francisco? And, of course, that has been uh, not just for the past couple weeks, but 
maybe for the past couple of months that has been the rumor or the the top projection, I guess, that uh, Antonio Brown would land in San Francisco. I guess that's what happens when he puts a picture of himself in a San Francisco uniform <laughs> on his Instagram. That that will start some rumors. So that's that's where he wants to be. We'll see where he actually ends up. But they they've got to add a wide receiver somehow. And if it's Brown, obviously he is going to demand the ball. How much does that hurt Kittle? Uh, I do think there's a legit chance that AB ends up there. Um, I also think their passing pie grows with a healthy Jimmy, who I'm a huge fan of. But I think it does hurt Kittle a little bit. I mean, um, if you're breaking a tiebreaker with him and Ertz and Kelsey or those types, then maybe I would go against them. But boy, just watching him play the game, he's a really good player. And he's one of the few that just run away from people. And I trust Shanahan to scheme him up as much. But you might get a slight Engram effect when Odell's healthy. Yeah, well, maybe the tiebreaker for him is he's three or four years younger than Kelsey or Ertz. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, Kittle and Ertz have the exact same ADP uh, at 29 overall. Uh, just outside of the second round range. So they're both pretty expensive. We could see, in fact, I think we almost have to see a drop for Kittle, no matter who they, you know, who they land. He had, he had, he was really the only show in town. Right, right. He had almost a historic uh, season from a tight end uh, standpoint. So we're, we're going to see some regression from him. I don't think it should hurt his value too much. Though he probably should be more of like an early fourth rounder than an early third. Okay, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with that. But he may be a ten year producer for you, and you love him. But um, that's gonna be hard to repeat. And and certainly if Antonio Brown goes there, do yeah. you think? I mean, Brown has made it obvious that that's probably his top choice. The Steelers aren't gonna make it that easy, right? I mean, they no. they. They're in They'll prefer here. to send them to the NFC. They won't send them within the division. Um, I really do think that there'll be six teams at least interested, give or take. I think Green Bay's a real legit landing spot. I think Oakland's a legit landing spot. San Francisco, I'd probably put those three on their own tier. But I think there could be some sleeper teams like Denver, Seattle, New Orleans. You know, Some weird teams you wouldn't think of that are aggressive right now that might try to get him. Yeah, since we're talking A.B., let's skip ahead. We had a question from Troy. He said, what is the worst landing spot for A.B. and for Le'Veon Bell? We'll we'll keep talking A.B. Mm. here. Uh, Jets, worst landing spot? Jets, spots? Bills. Like, I don't think the Bills would be in the A.B. market, but that's a bad landing spot for anybody, either one of those guys. I would think the Jets is a pretty bad landing spot. Uh, Oakland's no good. And they could both end up in Oakland. I don't know if Oakland has the assets to trade for for Brown. They've oh, got- they got all those picks. I mean, they could give up, you know, the the Bears pick or, you know, the Cowboys yeah, pick. that's true. You know, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And I think the reason I keep bringing them up is because if you're moving to the Vegas – who do you put on the billboard? You know, like, I think they need some brand name guys. They need to sell brown jerseys, 84. You know, they need to build a face of the team. Well, they traded their two faces of the team, right? <laughs> right, right. You can't put Gruden on every billboard. No, I hope not. 
What what about uh what about Levion? Worst landing spot for him? S- similar, Oakland, Buffalo, Jets. You know, I good ones I think would be the Colts, um, the Bucks. There's one. Uh, how about what's te- what's Houston do for you? I keep, keep hearing they're interested. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that would, I'd be all right with that. I'd be, that'd be very all right with that. It, and some line it, help. It seems to be that the Jets are are maybe the favorites. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Ooh. And I mean, if if Darnold keeps getting better, it's not the worst spot I could think. I can still think he'd get a lot of touches. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Next question from Kevin. He says, "I'm newer to Superflex. What should a rebuilder selling Breeze or a similar veteran quarterbacks expect to get in return?" Why don't you field that one? Yeah, you're talking Breeze, Brady, Rivers, Ben. Ben yeah. Right. There's there, there's a ton of those guys that are still scoring and, and producing as quarterback ones. I, I think they're all worth at least first rounders. You know, Brady might be a little bit of a harder sell. Uh, since he's a year or two older than than most of those guys, I, I guess Breeze is Breeze is up there as well. Though he's he's not mm-hmm. much younger than Brady, um, and his production's dropped. Right, I, I still think you're getting at worst a, a back end first. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't take a second. And as we've said over and over on this show, when you're talking about selling veterans, the time to do that is during the regular season. You're going to get a better deal. When contending teams need those players in their lineups, they're not as worried or as focused on rookie picks. I think that's that's the key time, especially if you're a rebuilder, to sell those veterans. And and this is another case of that. Uh, a quick question for you: If you're if you can't get picks in return and you got to move them, what if what if you were after Godwin or Galladay or Corey Davis or some of these receivers we were just talking about? Can you get? Something along those lines. I mean, I think Galladay and Davis are probably too lofty, or Mike Williams is probably too much. But you know, Godwin. I don't think Mike Williams is too much. Um, no, I, I really Rivers don't think for Williams. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, that. I mean, I guess it depends on how desperate the the rebuild is. You know how 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 much of an itch do you have to get rid of these guys? Mm-hmm. But. I don't think that's out of line at all. Any of those guys, Galladay might be a little bit too hot of a name to to buy with with those veteran quarterbacks. I, I typically, I really have a hard time trading away a quarterback, even if I'm rebuilding, and not getting one in return in a super flex. Hmm, okay. So if I if the picks are not working out for whatever reason, then I'm looking for. One of those young guys, one of those young unproven guys, and there's a lot of them, right? Rosen, uh, Darnold, Darnold, Lamar, sure. uh, Allen. Yeah, right. It, what What about a Car or a Mariota that isn't producing like you like, but probably will be a starter somewhere? That's not as exciting, huh? No, no. I mean, I, I don't you mind buying. Right, yeah. I don't mind buying those guys with with a flip in mind, but I wouldn't I wouldn't trade Breeze for them. Right. You want a second with them or something like that. At least, yeah. Yeah, okay. Next question from Andrew. What do you do with defenses in Dynasty? Uh, Free-for-all on the waivers. Any worth using a roster spot during the offseason? This is going to be an easy one. No. No, drop drop them. Um, We've seen a few defenses 
uh, kind of stick. Jacksonville last year, maybe right. Bears this year. Right. Right. We've seen a few defenses stick on rosters during the offseason, uh, but they always seem to disappoint. You know, the Jaguars did not have a great fantasy defense this year. I don't think they were in the top 12 even. Uh, and the real answer, not only do you drop them during the offseason, you drop them from your league altogether. Push to get rid of defenses and kickers in your fantasy leagues. That's that's the advice we would give, I think. Most of my leagues don't even use kickers anymore. In fact, I think only one league I'm in does use kickers. Uh, a, a handful still use uh, team defenses, but if I'm starting a new league, I'm not using defense or kickers. Agreed. Everything you said, um, one little nugget I'd throw in, though, is once in a while, though, like I had that Jags D when last season ended, and I traded it. I think I got like an early third round pick for it. Like yeah. people might actually, someone in your league might say, boy, that's the best defense in the league. Doesn't mean it's going to be next year. You might get something back for the elite ones, the Bears right now. Um, two of the leagues I'm in out of the seven, though, you have to keep a defense all year round. I don't know if I like it or not. Since we play with one, they don't let you just go, you know, without a guy there. You have to keep one on your roster. Yeah, I don't I don't love that rule. I'd rather have the more mobility. Yeah. Alright. Next question, uh, another question from Matt, another Matt. What do you think about Kareem Hunt straight up for Mike Williams? He says his running backs are mm. fairly set. He's got McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Cohen, a couple, couple of prospects, Penny, Royce Freeman, guys like that. Would you sell Hunt for Mike Williams? So I, I look I looked at ADP. Kareem Hunt has an ADP of 41, and to be fair, that was before he signed with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Mike Williams has an ADP of 53, so they're they're very close in value. Who do you want at this point? I think Williams, especially saying what he did, I think you know, what he has, I think Williams is safer. Um, I Do you agree that him landing in Cleveland – was less, very, very less than ideal. I mean, I think that hurt Hunt. Sure, sure. Yeah, big time. uh, Mainly because I think a lot of people were already envisioning him as a Philadelphia Eagle. (laughs) Right, right. With that old ADP, like you mentioned. Right. So we were seeing him really quickly regain some value uh, and, and even be talked about in that, top 12, top 15 running back range again. Uh, so, yeah, this this hurts. It it adds some confusion to how dynasty owners should handle the situation. Um, and, and, of course, we still don't know what the what the punishment is going to be. He's, he's going to be mm-hmm. suspended. Oh, you know? yeah, maybe and, 10 games or, you know, right. Right. It could be – it could still be a full year. I think that's a possibility. Maybe uh, so. And it – I guess the minimum at this point seems to be six games. So uh, best case, he's missing half the fantasy season. Uh, with with this situation that Matt's in and his his running backs, I'm fine taking Mike Williams here. Yeah, me too. I think Williams. You'll be happy with Williams. Even if Hunt does good things, it's not like you're going to regret Williams. Um, one last thing is it wouldn't blow me away that we get into training camp, we know what his sentence is going to be, and the Browns start fielding offers for him, too. You know, the Eagles call him back up. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. I hope you're right. Yeah. Next one from Jarrett. How do you address tight end and startups? 
that will include the rookies after the NFL draft. Well, the good news, Jared, is that this is a deep rookie class when it comes to tight ends. We talked about some of those guys already, Irv Smith, Hawkinson, Fant. There's some uh, other guys beyond that that we like. Uh, the, the bad part, I guess, the bad news is that I don't know that we can count on those rookies to be uh, an, an immediate fantasy asset. We always know, or we know that we always, almost always have to wait on tight ends, those young tight ends to really help us. The tight end landscape right now, it's Kelsey Kittle Ertz. We already talked about those guys. They're all top 30 assets. And then there's a big drop to OJ Howard, Ingram, Njoku, Ebron, Hunter Henry. Uh, and, and then you're getting to, you're getting into some of those rookies. So Matt, if you're doing a startup draft today, are you more likely to spend your third rounder on Ertz or Kittle or to wait and take one of these others in the sixth, seventh, eighth round? Well, I think it's noteworthy that anyone that's listening probably plays some sort of fantasy. And if you went through last season without a tight end, what a detriment that was. If you were picking up garbage off the waiver wire every week or, you know, hoping and praying. So that's a terrible feeling to be in. But from kind of like how you just spit it out about, this is the going rate in startups. Howard and Henry are the two that I would be targeting at that price or maybe a little earlier. Yeah, I, I agree. And if you can if you can wait to the sixth, seventh, eighth round, as I mentioned, I mean there Kittle has certainly created a gap between himself and these other mm-hmm. third year tight ends. But this, you know, it, it wasn't so long ago that Kittle was fourth in that group. Oh, right. Right? It was... It was You're talking about Gronk? No, no. I'm talking about fourth in the in the, the class of 2017 tight ends. Oh, the Ingram group, yeah. It was How, Howard Ingram and Joku and, oh, yeah, don't forget about Kittle. Mm-hmm. Well, now oh, Kittle... Oh, for sure. Value-wise, he's he's jumped all of those guys, which is which is fair after the way he produced this year. My point is that a year from now, it might be Howard in that group as well. It might be Njoku. It, it be. might be Ingram. And in fact, this time a year ago, after his rookie season, there was talk that Evan Ingram should be the overall tight end one in Dynasty. He had he had produced as a as I think he was the top six tight end his rookie season, I believe. And, and what if Odell gets traded, which I do think that's possible. Then Engram gets a spike. There's there's smoke there, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of smoke. We'll see if uh we'll see if anything comes of that, but a lot the Patriots are interested, the 49ers are interested. Eh, that's another fun one. Be good for Engram though. Right, but can you imagine Antonio Brown and OBJ change teams in the same offseason? <laughs> yeah. Oh, unreal. Unreal. I know, and unreal. One last note on that is, if you do wait till round seven ish, I don't know that'd be a bad idea to grab another one in round nine. Yeah, you know, whoever fall, you know, I get agree. Two, get two of them, put two eggs in that basket, and you I might agree. get a home run and, and a double. I agree, and and I also agree in general that waiting for your favorite of that Howard and Joku Hunter Henry group is is the way to go. I'm. Kittle's a nice advantage. Prize is good. Yeah, right. Kittle's a nice advantage, but that that third round price tag is really lofty right now. 
Mm-hmm. If I get Henry in the seventh or eighth, I'm all over that. Next question from Craig. Who are some of the quarterbacks to target in this rookie draft to be a long-term replacement for Cam Newton? Well, you're, you're talking long-term replacement um, and just like the tight ends and, and probably even more so we, we can't count on these rookie quarterbacks to become, to become true fantasy starters. We saw it a little bit from Baker Mayfield this year and, and Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, both performed well at times, but in general, you're not looking at your rookie quarterback and expecting to use him at all uh, in his first season. So I think Kyler Murray could be different though, for a Lamar Jackson reasons. Right, right. Well, of course, Murray has been compared to his former teammate, Baker Mayfield, and I'm seeing pretty pretty positive comparisons. Murray has the stronger arm. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, that maybe he's even, even more pro-ready than Mayfield is uh, one report I read. So he, he could certainly help you right away. But if you're thinking long-term think you might as well wait until next year. That's really the quarterback class we want to focus on. This one, Murray's exciting. Dwayne Haskins is certainly going to be a first-rounder, probably a top-10 pick in the NFL draft. But overall, this this class is pretty weak. Yeah, and just reading this question... Uh, I'm looking at it two ways. I mean, is he is he talking about finding a backup for the Carolina Panthers for Newton? And, and I think they'll go get a Bortles or somebody like that this year in case Cam's not ready to start the season, which I think is very possible. Um, but I think he's more thinking that if Cam Newton has been his dynasty quarterback for the last few years and he's very happy with that, I would be very scared. I mean, if he's your number one quarterback and you don't have much behind him, you better be aggressive and look at those teams that have two, three starter types and spend for them. Don't be waiting on Murray or some or one of these young guys. Go get somebody legit. I, mean, I, I don't trust Cam Newton at all. Yeah, we, you got to be worried about the, the injured shoulder. He did have uh, a procedure on that, and we, we've seen it with Luck. We saw Luck miss the entire sure. season, and we heard the Panthers' owner suggest – that this 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 could be a similar type situation. Um, Are they going to run him as much now with an injured shoulder? Right. What, so what's Cam without the running? You know, I agree. If you've got Cam as your quarterback one right now, you should be thinking not only about a long term replacement but a short term replacement, and start looking at uh, some of those veterans that we love to talk about. Philip Rivers would be the first one I go shopping for. Yeah, Matt Ryan, or you know, right, right. And do it soon before more bad news comes out. Yeah. Yep. Couple more questions here, Matt. Next one comes from Andrew. And we were just talking about finding a new quarterback. This this kind of falls in line with that. Andrew says, a popular saying at this point of the season is don't worry about setting a lineup in the context of roster construction and trading. <clears throat> I love that sentiment. But sometimes it's easier said than done. Do either of you put this into practice fully? And if so, any tricks? So I wanted to go back to your comment earlier in the show about trading for Alshon Jeffrey because yeah, you needed a too. starter. So yeah. uh, just talk a little bit about your your thought process with that deal. Yeah. And just, and just in general. 
a couple things with that one is that in that league, I've often found myself struggling for roster space. So anytime I can do a two for one in those type of deals, that's in that league that's particularly um, that's that's even. I usually do it because I'm always wanting to find somebody off the. Ro- I'm always hurting for space there, and that league. I have a couple receivers that I'll start every week, but I felt like I needed one more, and I had a lot of young prospects, the Christian Kirk types, that I felt like I could move two of them for a guy that I can punch that box every week. And it's a little early in the the offseason to look that way. Um, But I do think if you're totally a rebuild, I mean, if you know you can't win it this year, you don't think about your starters at all. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And and even, I don't know, I guess I lean more towards... At this point of the year, I just I just want to acquire talent. Mm-hmm. I want to get as many good players as I can. And if I don't have a great tight end or a, a great running back too, maybe I use that as a tiebreaker situation. But I'm certainly not panicked yet at this point. There's there's a lot of things that are going to happen. I mean, we haven't even seen free agency, and and even though it's looks like a down free agent class, we're going to see players cut. We're going to see surprise running backs, tight ends, landing good situations. So for me, I, I, I agree with, uh, with Andrew that it is easier said than done. When, when you've got that glaring hole on your roster, you want to try to fix it. But I, I would say just, just not to panic. Um, know the other teams in your league well and, and be ready to make a move when, uh, you know, when the time is right. Yeah, I, I mostly agree that in February or late February, don't be worried about checking your boxes in week one. You know, just acquire talent. But I've also had teams where, boy, I really like this team. And Sunday morning rolls around. I'm like, I don't want to start any of these guys. Though. <laughs> I'm not going to win with these guys. I love yeah. them all. They're young. I don't want to trade any of them. But uh, how long can I do this for? Yeah, exactly right. All right, Matt, that will do it for today. Thanks to everyone for their questions. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.